0: Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Control Out Azure. I'm Tobias, and I'm back with UC. What's up?
1: Hey Tobias, daycares closed a few days this week again. Uh, I think I'm I'm sort of getting used to this because we've had general strikes here in Finland a couple of times now in 2024. So what this means is that my six-year-old is at home. So he's in preschool now. He's starting school in about six months from now. And uh, obviously, I'm working from home, and uh, sometimes the six-year-old gets bored with his pencils and crayons and iPads and and books and everything else. And he wanders around the house, and then he finds me. I might be in the middle of a call, so he's joining me on some of these calls now. And today, I think I had an early call to Australia, so he joined on that call. Yesterday afternoon, I had a call to... Denmark, yeah, he joined on that call as well. So he's really getting the hang of what IT work is all about. It's about talking to 2D people on the screen and waving back at them when they wave at you.
0: All right, that sounds good. <laughs> uh, on my end, I'm turning a modest 40 this year. So I will have a 1990 party. Uh, so from the 1990s, and I'm now listening to all the hits from the 90s, and I can't wait for that big party to happen this summer. I do recall the uh, modem dial-up sounds. If you had a a 28k modem that I had, and then we upgraded to 36k, and then we got a 56 or 54 or whatever they were um, back then, and and I remember these dial-up tones also being different for each of the modems we had. Uh, so I'll definitely get that into the mix somehow, and and also get Winamp if anyone recalls what that is that was and there was an intro that stuck in my brain for the rest of my life it said winamp it really whips the llama's ass that's what it said and that was the 90s for me so in our party that's what's going to be the theme it's going to be a 90s theme with winamp dial-up modems and some really good music from the 90s
1: Sounds, sounds awesome I still remember winamp that was that was just great with the skins and visualizations and everything else uh, today's episode is about getting sustainability insights with Azure carbon optimization. So this is a new capability in the Azure portal and uh, I know a thing or two about carbon optimization but I, I couldn't say I'm an expert on this. So this will be interesting to dive a little bit deeper into both technology and also what it means for carbon optimization. Uh, top of mind thoughts, Toby, from you on this topic.
0: I have a lot of thoughts on this topic actually, because um, I, I helped create both the Azure Well-Architected Framework Guidance on sustainability and the Cloud Adoption Framework Guidance for sustainability. So I. I consider myself kind of as a subject matter expert in this area. I've spent a lot of time working on crunching numbers for carbon optimization, and you know how you can, uh, how you can optimize your infrastructure and your applications and your code and things to really reduce the impact on the climate. Um, so building like solutions, systems, and applications in a sustainable way is important to many organizations, also individuals. There's a lot of green advocates and and people that. Uh, you know, pursue the the green advocacy and and the green kind of engineering path, uh, you know, for for the planet. We did talk about sustainability in episode 161, and then we talked about sustainability guidance in the well Architected Framework as well. Um, so I do have a lot of thoughts on this. Um, you know, that everyone has an opportunity, perhaps also a responsibility, to figure out your emissions. There is a lot of tenants out there. And when I say tenant, in this case, I mean an Azure tenant with a bunch of subscriptions where you have idle resources, they're still running, there's nothing running on them, or you're utilizing 5% of the capacity that you have deployed just because you had credits or it's just been that way forever. That is just burning, well, credits and money, obviously, but it's also burning carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. Uh, so for that reason, it's important for everyone to think about the shared responsibility on sustainability as well. Just like with security, right? You deploy solutions into Azure and you set up your, uh, let's say, an app service and a subnet and a VNet, and you have some networking and whatever. It doesn't mean it's inherently secure the right way. You have a responsibility as a customer deploying stuff to make sure that you enable the right security procedures and protocols that you lock down the access that you require to have in place that you enforce the re- regulatory compliance um, checks that you need for your organization. The same thing applies with sustainability, really, that it's your responsibility um, you know, t- to make sure that the things you deploy don't emit too much carbon, that you save on the carbon of the things you deploy in your infrastructure. So without getting you know into the weeds of all the justifications for thinking about sustainability, I really like this new... Azure Carbon Optimization Tool. Because now you don't need to understand the complexities of all these things uh, with sustainability and, you know, what might my app service or what might this or that service uh, emit into the atmosphere? And how do I care? Why do I care? And, you know, how can I justify trying to figure that out and calculate all these things when I have so many other burning issues in the company I need to deal with right now? Now you don't need to think about that because the Azure Carbon Optimization Tool brings you that So you can just launch it and you'll get the insights at your fingertips saying hey you've got these services this is the emissions they have um you know this is what it looks like these are the kind of the trends so you don't need to understand how to calculate it anymore now you get this at your fingertips so i really like that um so there are some granular kind of emissions data within the azure portal um it covers the last 12 months i know so whatever happened in the last 12 months with all the resources you have deployed is going to be visible in the Azure Carbon Optimization tool. The access to the tool is protected by role-based access control, so you can say, "Hey, only this role or or this management group, or you know, however you want to do it, uh, will be able to access it." And uh, which means you can enable access for pretty much anyone as well. Um, the data is broken down by subscription, resource group, resource, service, or location, so you can filter on that. The really good thing and and where I spent some of my calories looking in is the REST APIs and the exports. So if you want to bring your own kind of integrations or you have your own systems for uh, sending reports to your management on sustainability or your, your green IT efforts, um, you can also export the data into your own systems. And there uh, there's a REST API for that. And you can also export the CSV option, of course. And then there's also the recommendations that comes at your fingertips. So from this tool, you'll get the recommendations saying, hey, actually, we noticed that you're doing this, and here's a recommendation for you. Kind of like Azure Advisor, but for carbon emissions specifically. So in Azure Advisor, you get something like, hey, actually, if you use reserved instances or whatever it might be, uh, you're gonna save money on this thing, because we noticed you have SQL Server on this tier, or you have you know this VM on this tier. Uh, the same thing happens here, but based on your resources utilization. And some of those recommendations are like, hey, if you switch to a more efficient SKU uh, or, or tier, then you can reduce uh, the carbon emissions for your resources. So, as you can hear, I have a lot of things <laughs> top of my mind on this. I have a lot to say, but I'm going to take a breather. What's top of mind for you when you see the Azure Carbon Optimization Tool?
1: So, this is an interesting tool. It's relatively easy because, in essence, it's a couple of pre built dashboards for you. And uh, when when you when you said about the option to utilize the REST API or export to CSV, that got me thinking that typically I feel companies are not looking at a snapshot of the data, like what it is today and what will it be tomorrow, but it's 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 more of an average and more of a trend analysis. How has it been for the past 12 months, as you said? And then perhaps combining that with everything else, because Azure might not be the only thing they are utilizing. You have Microsoft 365, you have physical offices, you have physical goods that you're producing. So you probably want to export to CSV or integrate with your existing analytics tools, and then combine these findings into sort of a main finding. And Azure is one part of that, and it might be a significant part of, of all of that. Uh, When I got the solar panels online, that was that was uh, about 18 months ago. I can see from the mobile app that I have for the inverter that I have attached to the side of the house, I can see that I've I've offset uh, the equivalent of 528 trees planted in the past 18 months, and it doesn't really tell me much beyond. Well, 500 plus trees sounds like a lot but at the same time I would have to combine that finding with all of my Azure subscriptions and then make educated decisions based on that. So what I did see that you can have the data from the Azure Carbon Optimization, you can have that per subscription and within subscription per resource group, or you can combine them all together and then break it down based on your findings. So as far as I can tell, this is now available. Uh, it doesn't require any additional licenses. So, how do you how do you get started with this one? Assuming that you have workloads in Azure.
0: Yeah, it's pretty easy. Um, so I took it for a spin the last couple of days, and it's it's pretty straightforward. Uh, you just go to the Azure portal, and you search for a carbon optimization, and then you select it. That's it. What's going to happen is you're going to get an access denied, even if you're a global admin or, you know, whatever. Because I'm I'm a subscription owner, I'm a global admin, and supposedly that should be enough to get started. But in the documentation, it does say that uh, carbon emissions data within the carbon optimization tool is accessible to carbon optimization readers, which is a new role, subscription owners, and subscription contributors. I did not see it, even though I'm a subscription owner. When I added the Carbon optimization reader, it took about, well, somewhere between 30 and 60 minutes to kind of propagate. And then the dashboard and the tool started to work in for me. Uh, so there was a little bit of delay from me assigning myself the kind of optimization, uh, carbon optimization reader role until I got access to it. But that's it. Like just go to the dashboard. It's going to tell you, hey, you don't have access. Take a look at the permissions here. You assign those permissions to your own account or whoever should have access there might be a delay that might be good to understand and, and be aware of. Because I was like, hey, I, I did this now and waited a couple of minutes and nothing worked. Went for lunch, got back from lunch, and then it started to light up. Um, so I think that's it. When when you figure out that you just need to add the permission and then you wait a little bit, you're going to be able to use it. And that's pretty much it. You don't need to onboard, you don't need to deploy, you don't need to enable anything. It's just kind of there. Um, and there's also nothing you need to do. You don't have to say, hey, I want to collect carbon emissions for these specific resources, or I want to do uh, you know, analysis of specific resources. You can do that with filters in the dashboard, but you don't have to say, like with Defender for Cloud, you can say, hey, let's onboard servers, let's onboard key vaults, let's onboard this and this, or specific key vaults or specific servers. Here, you just kind of get all the data across the entire infrastructure that you have in Azure. And it's going to give you all the data and details around that. So that's really good. And it's also important because if you would be able to opt out and say, hey, actually don't collect carbon emissions for part of my subscription, then you will never have the full picture and understand what the carbon footprint looks like from your organization or from your deployments. Uh, So that's it. Like, go to the portal, search for carbon optimization in the search bar, select it. You're rolling. That's it.
1: Yeah, super easy. Uh, For me, I think I had the same experience that I did not have the the carbon optimization reader role assigned. I, I sort of dislike the approach that Microsoft often does now with Azure. When they introduce a new capability, even if you're a global admin, it doesn't work out for you. Then you have to go and attach this additional role, wait for that to kick in, and then you get something. And I always feel, well, if I'm a global admin, I should have all the roles by default, but perhaps there's thinking here that let's not enable anything on top of the things you are expecting to have enabled already. But beyond that, uh, once you get to the dashboard, so there's three tabs in here. Uh, The first one for viewing the emissions data. I think this is the key here. Then there's the trend analysis, and then there's the details where you can drill down. They are a little bit limited in the sense that you get the data, you get the nice graphics, but this is not Power BI. So if you want to drill further down, then you need to either build your custom solution on top of this, perhaps use the REST API or get the CSV file, or there's um, uh, a solution available on the marketplace that will utilize Data Lake and Microsoft Fabric for you. But obviously, that requires a bit more infrastructure to deploy in order to get this up and running. So, on the emissions data, uh, you can see the total carbon emissions uh, per last month, uh, past 12 months, and the potential to save on emissions. Uh, Toby, did you have a chance to look in your own environments, how how this looks looks for you?
0: I did take a look, and it's it's pretty great because it it spans back, you know into twenty twenty three. and uh, what I like about it is just what we talked about before, you just enable it and then you get all the data. but you don't get the data from today moving forward. You also have data looking backwards because in Azure, there's a history of the resources you've had, the utilization and uh, you know whatever you had deployed over the last year or so. Uh, so that data is also there. So it's when it lights up, you get to see a lot of stuff. So I, I took this for a spin and I'm seeing those things. I really like the emission trends, um, and it's exactly what you mentioned as well. Like if you want to dive into the data, the emission trends and the emission details, which are kind of two options in the, in the UI, they will give you only so much information. If you want to dive into that, you should press the button called Analyze Emissions. That gives you uh, something called Microsoft Azure Emissions Insights. Which is also in preview. And that exists in the show notes, a link to that as well. You can take a look at that. Uh, But looking just at the kind of emission trends, um, that's where you land when you launch the tool. And here, exactly what you mentioned, the last 12 months, you can see the emissions over the last year showing types of emissions and their kind of equivalents for easy understanding. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about that later. But like the equivalent might be actually the emissions you had for this resource or this subscription. Uh, equals charging a mobile phone 65,000 times or, you know, it compares to everyday things. Because otherwise, if you just get a measure saying, hey, this is how much carbon you uh, emitted in the last year, it might be hard to understand what that means. But it does compare to actually, this is equivalent to planting so many trees. This is equivalent to doing, you know, kind of these things. So the carbon reduction recommendations you will get from here will then be easier to understand, well, if I actually make investments in sustainability and I start reducing my carbon emission, there's gonna be a positive effect on the planet. And I can see the calculations right there saying, actually you just save this and that amount of carbon, which equals this in reality or in like your everyday life, which I think is is pretty nice. So the emission trends, that breaks down emissions by service and location. It shows carbon intensity trends to kind of relate emissions to astro utilization. Also offer those kind of top recommendations for reducing emissions and it links to more detailed resources for implementing kind of fixes and a full list of uh, reduction opportunities that exist within the tool as well. And the other page, the emission details, um, that gives you a little bit more in-depth analysis of Azure resources carbon emission over that period with options to view by subscription, resource group, resources, services, and location. Uh, You can view and compare the latest month's emissions to the previous month using the kind of detailed breakdown uh, for specific filters. You can sort emissions data to highlight significant changes month over month, like if you find anomalies or uh, you know if, if you want to identify areas for optimization. Uh, you can export things to a CSV file. And when we talked about that, you have an have REST API, you can also export it to a CSV file, then you can analyze that. Um, or if you want to use the CSV file and pull that into your own Power BI report, you can also do that and, and just update that file if, if that's how you, uh, you want to work with things. So I think it's really insightful. You're going to get your eyes open for you know how and where you spend uh, emissions with the resources you have. And if you then want to kind of dive in, then the Microsoft Azure Emissions Insights exists for that, which is what you mentioned, the kind of, Power BI that creates a data lake with Fabric um, where you get these kind of pre-built dashboards you can dive into if you really want to drill down. But that's like top of mind for me with the tool. You have the emission trends, you have the emission details. Uh, you also have the kind of emission uh, reductions, which is essentially the equivalent in Advisor to say, hey, recommendations. And you go there and it's going to say, hey, here's what you can do to reduce things. Change this SKU to a smaller SKU because you're actually not utilizing uh, you know, the full potential of of what you've deployed um i know that was a lot of words again and uh, i have a lot of thoughts on this um what else do we need to know about about this because there's we talk about emissions and there's different scopes and there's looking in the tool it's at co 2 e k g c o 2 like what are these carbon oxide uh, and and carbon dioxide and what like what are all these different things Can we break down the terminology because otherwise it's just going to be emissions, which is one word to box everything in. But looking at the dashboard, there's a lot of different things to understand.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and looking at the terminology, I, I think I might be among a lot of other people who when they read CO2E, that mentally when you read it, you don't really pronounce it in your head. You just go CO2 something and without really further thinking what it means. So, so the key phrases that you will see in the tool are CO2e, carbon dioxide equivalence. Uh, that's probably the, the key number typically. And then there's KgCO2, so that's that's carbon dioxide in kilograms and I already like this, it's talking about kilograms and not pounds, so it actually makes, <laughs> makes sense for us. <laughs> and uh, then there's MTCO2E, which is metric tons of carbon dioxide. So those three are the ones that, that you will frequently see from here. Uh, as an example, I'm looking at one of my development subscriptions. I am the only user in there. And I've enabled the carbon optimization in my subscription. And I can see all the way back to July 2023, this was when the subscription was created. And in the past six months, from July to end of December, I don't have January numbers yet. So from July to end of December, I can see that total carbon emissions was 95.3 kilograms CO2. And per month, it's about 20.5 kilograms, so 20.5 is about 46 pounds. Uh, And there's no potential reductions that I could shut down further, but I can see the trend is going down. So November was 27, December was only 20. And perhaps the last um, sort of key phrases here are scope one, scope two and scope three emissions. So you can filter out based on these different tiers I actually had to look this up because to me, if somebody says, what's your scope 2 CO2e is, I would say, well, I have no idea what scope one, two and three. <laughs> so scope one, that's sort of like tier one. So direct greenhouse gas emissions from on-site fuel combustion. So this relates to Azure on-site fuel combustion, not my home office or my, my, my real office. Scope two is indirect, such as those from electricity providers, again, back at the Azure Data Center. And scope three is everything else from the value chain. And I'm sure there's a, there's a formula for this, but from the dashboards, you can filter based on scope one, two, and three. So obviously, if you need to report on these elsewhere, then you want to divide it based on the different scopes. But if you're mostly looking at the total emissions and the trends, there's not much you can do between scope 1, 2 and 3, unless you start distributing your services based on this. So what I did when the West Europe started to become a bit too full for my liking in Azure, I started migrating my services to Sweden Central. So now my carbon emissions are, are headed to Sweden and not to the Netherlands. I don't really mind, I'm in Finland, so if the Swedes get more (laughs) of that. But then I remember, well, Toby is in there and Toby is quite close, so let me shut down some stuff that I don't really need. So perhaps for non-professionals on CO2 calculations, I feel that the key number is the total carbon emissions for you. But if you need to report this further on, then you will drill down to scope one, two and three and then perhaps export this to Excel or Power BI to make the exact graphics that you would need for further reporting. So for me, it's 95 kilograms of CO2 in the past six months. Toby, did you, did you find anything from your subscriptions, let's say from the past six months or 12 months?
0: I did find a, a bunch of stuff in there and Like the number itself, uh, right now I'm looking at one of the MSDN subscriptions. That doesn't have a lot in it. It's like 10 uh, 10 kilograms. So it's not a lot. But what I really like about it is when you click the view emissions equivalents for one of those things, it's going to say, well, the carbon emissions that you had for this period is equivalent to powering two homes, like two full homes, like on average, the amount of electricity used for one year is equivalent to, you know, what I had in my subscription now for mine it says zero but for yours it might say something different uh, because this is a very small subscription I'm looking at right now it didn't unlock it in in some of the bigger subscriptions I have it says you know it's 1200 smartphones being charged in the last year so I don't have a lot uh, in my subscription but for a bigger subscription I've seen that there's like hey you had you charged 60,000 times for your chart for your smartphone you actually powered five homes, five average homes for a full year, that's the equivalent of what you was running in Azure. So if you were to reduce, if you could reduce it, maybe you would be down to four houses equivalent, which means you just saved on a lot of energy. And I I really like this kind of mapping between what is carbon emissions? What does all these things we just talked about mean, like carbon dioxide? what What does that mean? Well, if you put that equivalent to, Actually, if you follow the recommendations, you're gonna get something else that says if you implement all the recommendations we just listed, you're gonna save six thousand trees, or you're gonna plant six thousand trees. It's gonna be equivalent to planting six thousand trees that grows for 10 years. So you can see an kind of immediate correlation between reducing stuff and making an effort in this space with what that would mean for the planet. So I really like that. Um you know I, I don't have any like in-depth data I can dive into with the subscription because I just took one of my MSDN subscriptions right now. Uh, but the recommendations look the same and and yeah, I really like that. The looking at those reduction est- uh, estimates and and reductions um, there are really three things it compares to like um, if you follow all these recommendations that means you planted six tree seedlings that grows for 10 years or that you have 600 um, incandescent bulbs switched to leads or you have 60 uh, trash bags recycled instead of landfilled. Um, so again, like if you care for the environment, you're probably going to understand what that means and why it's a bad thing with the landfill and why it's a good thing with recycling. And now you can see a direct kind of correlation between the work you do driving sustainability efforts and green IT within your organization, uh, if you run an Azure and, and really reducing the impact on the environment, you can see what that actually means in numbers. And then you can go boasting about it and say, hey, actually this tool said we just saved 6,000 plans or we did this or that. So I, I really think that's good to make it more tangible.
1: I'm I'm looking at the same numbers on my subscription. So I was able to power zero homes uh, for the electricity used for one year and especially in the Nordics, those homes typically require quite a bit of power during winter. But uh, I was up to 11,500 smartphones charged. and oddly, 11 gallons of gasoline consumed. And now I'm thinking how much was a gallon again? Was it 3.7 liters or 4.7? I, I can never tell. But but beyond that, uh, what was surprising to me if I look at the emission trends, So it breaks that down per service and per location. So per service, uh, and again, I had about 95 kilos of CO2 emissions. Per service, I was expecting stuff like Azure Storage to be sort of more optimized in in terms of emissions. So all of my storage accounts produced 2.5 kilos of CO2 emissions. But comparing to Azure AI Search, which which used to be Azure Cognitive Search, that produced four kilos. So almost the same as my storage accounts. And I feel Azure AI Search has a lot of capabilities. And for Azure Storage, it's mostly for dumping stuff in there and it just sits there and it's not really doing anything. So it's, it's a little bit eye-opening that you take a relatively complex service compared to... To a relatively simple service, at least in my use case, and the emissions are almost on par. But then again, Azure Storage I think I had 25 storage accounts, and for Azure AI Search I only had two. So then again, that that sort of evens, evens that out in the end. So looking at this, uh, this brings back memories from Windows 10, and it's it's also available in Windows 11. If you go to Windows Settings, then to Windows Update. There's the green leaf icon, and I'm reading it now. Windows update is committed to helping reduce carbon emissions. And I, I was always perplexed that what does this mean in practice? And I, I think in the US, there's the capability that depending on the electricity pricing and or if it's green, green energy for you, you could then schedule your Windows updates to happen on a certain time of day or week but obviously we don't have that in Europe, at least for now. So I think it doesn't really do anything, but it looks nice in there. But for Azure, I feel this is a more usable tool, but it's a bit like with cost optimization and FinOps. Somebody needs to come in here and actually have a conscious look and and act and react based on the findings. The platform is not doing it for you, it's simply giving you the data, then it's up to you to figure out what to do next
0: yeah and i i like the contemplation here like the eye-opening thing with the storage account as well i I like that um which brings us back to uh, to our conversation we should have as an episode i think moving forward is more tangible things you can do to remove uh, like reduce emissions but also reduce costs so maybe there's a correlation there because i know working with sustainability you can use cost as a proxy so if you can reduce the cost in your subscription you're most likely reducing the carbon emissions as well. Because reducing the cost is about reducing things that's idle, underutilized, uh, you know, um, downgrading your tiers from premium to standard, if applicable, uh, all the things like that. So usually you you save a buck, but you also save on the environment. So that might be an interesting episode at some some point. Because um, on the node of storage accounts, if, if they're all in the hot tier, they're constantly online, kind of like serverless. They're always there. They're always... Th- just running, but you can also choose the archive tier, uh, which means they're going to be offline. Um, you know a bit more, so uh, there are options to to choose there. But that said, I think I've explored everything I had top of mind for the Azure uh, kind of carbon em- uh, emissions and and optimization tool here. Uh, it's pretty straightforward. You launch it, you get the carbon optimization tool. You're going to see the emission trends, emission details, and the emission reductions. That's it and then you have the additional kind of Power BI report powered by Lakehouse that you can dive into. And the link to that is in the show notes as well.
1: All righty, good stuff. Uh, the last bit we have is the unexpected question. And Toby, I did have a look last week. I think I asked you the question, so now it is your turn to ask me the unexpected question.
0: Okay, so I, I've got one here, and I think this might be the most important question of all time. Because life is full of things to contemplate on. So if you had any fictional character as your personal life coach, who would that be and why?
1: Tough question. I I feel like the answer should be somebody super sophisticated, somebody who really cracked the code in personal life so that I could learn more but at the same time i feel that whenever you hire a coach or a mentor uh you should click with them so that it makes sense so for me uh this past winter and i think the winter is still ongoing but these past couple of months we've been watching a tv series at home uh called Bosch i think there's five or six seasons plus a couple of additional seasons for that it's a it's a los angeles based uh, police detective series, uh, a little bit gritty, and uh, I, I think the main character Bosch, he would be my personal life coach. He likes to stay at home. He doesn't really like people at <laughs> all, and 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 he seems to succeed in life. I I could really pick some of some of those advice from him. All right, that sounds good. All righty, thanks for tuning in. See you next week. All right, see you then.